0: Your tune. Shall we pray? Father, in the for name of Jesus, we thank you for qualifying so us for life.
1: We thank you for the
0: forgiveness of sins. Forever. We thank you that Christ alone is exalted in our discussion. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Wow. We thank God for giving us the opportunity to live another day to live for him. And all too soon, we are on the final episode of the series we have been doing for the past four weeks on the parable of the Loving Father. And for the past four weeks, um, Bene has been taking us through the various components, if I should say, that make up. The whole chapter 15, with our emphasis being on the parable of the Loving Father, what most of us would like to call or, what generally we have called the parable of the prodigal son. So, before we continue with our final episode, I would just like to read the parable for us again. We never get tired of reading the same old stories, but whenever we read it, the Holy Spirit drops something new. So, I'll just brush through the whole parable again. So that is Luke 15, the verse 11. I'll be reading quickly. It says, there was a certain man who had two sons. Let's take note of this because this is the verse that will be perusing for tonight. A certain man had two sons. So I think for the sake of time, I believe you are familiar with the story. The younger one came to the father and was like, give me my share of the inheritance that belongs to me. And we peruse what that meant. Then the Bible says not many days after, he went into a faraway country where he wasted all his property, his inheritance, his father's labor that he was supposed to inherit on routers living on prostitutes. Then interestingly, immediately his money got finished. A farming came in. And he was so hungry that he had to join himself to another country. So now he lost identity. He now had to become a citizen of another country. That's interesting. That's what sin can do to you. It makes you lose your image that you have got, which was a son of the father. And the Bible said that and he had to work for food. And then what made it so worse was that now he had to compete with pigs over their food. And the interesting thing was that he now had an appetite for pig's food. So he had transcended the stage where he was just hungry or just eating the pig's food because he was hungry. But now he had a craving for pig's food. And that's one thing that sin does to us. Then after that, the Bible says that one day, as he was enjoying his delicacy, if I should say, the Bible, he came to himself and said that ah, even the servants, even the least of the least of the least, In my father's house has more than enough to eat. He says, I will arise and go back to my father's house. And the interesting thing was that he didn't just say it, he didn't just think about it, but he took the step to come back home. And the Bible says that as he was a while away from the house, his father saw him and his father ran towards him. And the Bible says that his father immediately ran towards him, moved with pity and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me your servant. And interestingly, look at the father's response. He didn't comment. He just said, the father said to his born servant, bring me the best robe. <laughs> I see what the son said, he didn't even hear it. He just ignored it. And he said, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Give me a ring and put it on his finger. And a sandals for his feet. And I think last week or so, Then I explained what the robe meant, the ring meant, and the sandals. And the Bible said, bring the fattened calf and kill it. And he did a party and a feast for him. Then he said, why was he doing it? Because my son who was dead is alive, who was lost, and now he's found. And the Bible said that, and his elder son who was in the field, returning home, hearing music and dancing. Interestingly, he should have run to the house, because if I'm grabbing when I'm hearing music and dancing, I should run home. But he stood afar, and I believe he was already suspecting something. So he stood afar and ask the servant that what's going on and like your brother has come home and automatically for some strange reason he knew that his brother didn't come home in a good state and he refused to enter and the father came out and came to meet him that oh you know all i have is yours but this your brother was lost and now he's found was dead and now he's alive come and let's join him and let's make a fit. so that is just a recap of the parable so for this evening we want to focus on or well, we are giving the concluding part of this episode and we want to narrow in on the father and now let's read the verse 11. so i want to just do a summary of things i want to highlight and particularly want to lay emphasis on the father so for the subtitle of this episode the main title is the parable of the loving father but for this particular episode it's subtitled the loving father we want to look at the loving father now the verse 11. it says that and he said, there was a certain man who had two sons. Now, this is where most of us, I think, we have not taken notice of. When Jesus was answering the question, he said that there was a certain man. The emphasis of or the key actor in this story is the man, not the sons. Because he said, and there was a certain man who had two sons. He didn't say that there was a certain young man who had a father and an elder brother. The first thing I want us to take note is that the parable Jesus gave was about the father, not about the son, not about the prodigal son, nor the elder son. And now why is this important? Because human beings over time have made ourselves the center of everything in his life. So, even in reading this parable, we think that the center of the parable is the sons. That is representative of us. Both sons are types or shadows of the two types of children, broadly speaking, that the father has. So you are either the younger son or an elder son. And when we get to that one, to know which class you belong to. But the emphasis is not the son, it's on the father. And this is important because many of us think that we are the reason for life. You are not the reason for creation. <laughs> Sorry to bash your devil. But man is not the reason for creation. Man is not the reason for God. God doesn't exist because of man. But some way, somehow way, we have unconsciously or consciously made to put ourselves as the center of everything God does. That's not the case. The Father, or God, is the center of creation. Colossians tells us that for by Him were all things made, that were made, talking about Jesus, both in heaven or earth, visible or invisible, whether it be dominion, thrones, principalities or powers, that all things were made through Him and for Him. Human beings are not the center of God's creation. Human beings are not the center of life, no. No, the God or the Father is the center. So the parable is talking about the Father, about the love the Father has for two sons. And now the issue is that these two sons, one of them asks for an inheritance and the other one, who was the elder one, decided to work or decided to stay in the house. Now these two sons are a type of the two types of believers we have. as we have already looked at in previous episodes, both of the children had issues. The younger one, who we call the prodigal son, he wanted the father to die. He was impatient and he thought that there was better life outside the father's house. The elder son too, he was working for a good, he was working for a reward. He was thinking that in doing work for the father, that's what would qualify him for an inheritance. So the bottom line is that both. Children did not have an accurate knowledge of who their father is. And this is very important. Whether you are an elder son or you are a younger son, both of them suffered the same deficiency. And the deficiency was that both of them did not know who their father was or who their father is. That was the basis. So the younger son was thinking that the father was sitting on his joy the younger son had an image of the father that the father doesn't want his best. So the father is keeping something good from him. The father is withholding something good for him. And because of that, he wants to live life outside the father's house. And the elder son who stayed, was only staying because he was thinking that in working for the father, the more, he would qualify to get the goods. So both of them had their issues, but the fundamental crack or the fundamental issue underlining the behavior of both of them was because they didn't know who their father is and i believe this is what's happening in the body of christ many of us don't know who our father is we don't know what it means for god to be our father we have a certain myopic view about god because we have failed to look into the scripture to know who this god is that is why most of us fall for the deceitfulness of sin in the sense that when we sin because we don't know who our father is, we are rather running away from our father instead of running towards him. So you see that in the younger son, he said that, "Let me arise and go back." And when he is going back, he doesn't want to go back as a son, but he wants to go back as a servant because he didn't appreciate who his father is. He didn't know the generosity of his father towards him. And the elder son did the same thing. He was thinking that by working more, by doing more, by, by being in the house, he would qualify for a good to have a party with his friends. So both of them didn't appreciate or both of them did not understand what it means to be a son of this father. Um, I think about some months ago, I was having a discussion with Ben. And I don't know what what about this discussion, but we we're talking about the need to be specific in prayer. And I know that most people have said that when Jesus was talking about faith, he says that if you are speaking to speak into this mountain, he said that be thou be removed and cast into the sea. And we have coined that to mean that when you are praying or when you are asking something from God or from our father, we should be specific. So if you want a phone, you must tell God the brand of phone you want, the color of phone you want, the shape, like you must give God details. And there's this funny story that I don't know if you have heard about it. It was about a man who was praying that when you own a big car full of ladies, then he would be opening the door for the ladies to enter and come in that kind of like luxurious lifestyle and after many years he was a bus driver in a girls school so god has answered his prayer because now he's driving a big bus and the bus is full of girls now I know many of us have had this issue where, like, if you are praying to God, be specific God, I want 88 in my mass exams. I want 92 in my science exams. I want a pay of 3,000. I want a pay of... And I appreciate this. But the reality of this is that the reason why we are praying or the reason why we believe this notion is because we don't know who our father is. It's because we don't know the generosity of our father towards you. Now, what do I mean? Can you ever imagine a scenario where the children or a child of Jack Ma or Bill Gates, or Steve Jobs, or Jeff Bezos, any of these millionaires and billionaires you know. So now imagine I'm, let's say, Bill Gates child. And for some strange reason, my phone is port. And I go to Bill Gates. In the first place, that's what might be happening. I don't need to go to my father. I can just pick a phone, but let's just put this scenario that My phone is port. And I go to my father, who is Bill Gates. And i be like, Bill Gates, or daddy, please, my phone is port. I need a new one. Tell me, do you ever think that there's any scenario that Bill Gates will give his child and look at 33.10. It's absurd. Like, there's no way. That's not the case. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew. He said that if wicked fathers, wicked fathers, know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more your father in heaven? That's the issue. You see, because many of us, we don't have an accurate knowledge of the generosity of our father towards us. We are not able to really flow with him. That is why all that the elder son was asking for was a good Oh all that this guy was asking for was give me a goat to have party with my friends when he did not know that all that his father has was for him and you see this deficiency in knowledge has crept into many aspects of our life including our prayer life look at the way we pray just analyze our prayer do you think that if you really appreciate the fact that god is your father you would pray the way you are praying no for example Using the same example, if my father is Gates, do you think I would think twice in asking him for a car as a gift? Absolutely not. Because my my father has abundance of cars. In fact, any car, if I want a plane, let me not even go to car, let me go to plane. If I want a plane this very second, my father can sign a check or can make a call and the plane will come instantly. But You that are listening to me, can you go and ask your father for a plea? Why not? Because you know that your father's pocket may not meet that demand. But you see, because many of us, we don't know the generous and the limitless ability of our father. Our prayers are so shallow. We are praying as though our father makes $100 a month. So the basic issue that occurred between both sons was because they didn't have an accurate knowledge of who your father was or is. So this evening, we just want to expose to you three things from my point of view that my friends will come in. I want to just expose to you three things of what it means for God to be your father. And and I believe that one day, if God permits, we will do a whole series on what it means for God to be our father. Because I think that many of us, we don't know the generosity of our father towards us. See the way we beg God in prayer. See the way we even approach God in prayer. See, then we run away from God, when we fall short, it's because we don't know the extent of His love towards us. So the younger son is saying that, let me go back as a
1: servant. Oh,
0: I pray that we would come to appreciate what it means for God to be our father. And I want to give you, I said three, but this is a preamble. What does it mean for God to be your father? It means that you have expressed faith in Jesus Christ. And this is very important. The only way God can be your father, the only way, for emphasis, the only way God can be your father, and the only way you can ever call God father is after you have expressed faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. I'll just give you two scriptures. There are so many scriptures scattered across the Bible, but... I'll just give you two Galatians 3 verse 26 it says that for in Christ Jesus you all are sons of God through faith for in Christ Jesus you all are sons of God through faith so the only way you can qualify to call God father is if you are in Christ and if you have expressed faith in jesus let's go to hebrews chapter 2 verse number 10 and 13. it says that for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering so now god is it for it became him for whom are all things that is god the father and for whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation, perfect through serving. and who is the captain of our salvation, our elder brother Jesus. And how did he do it? For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. So Jesus is the one who sanctifies and who is he sanctifying? Us. Both Jesus and us who are been sanctified, we are all of one. We are all of the same stock. We are all of the same origin. We are all of the same source. And who is our source? God. That is why God is our Father. Father simply means a source. So he said that both Jesus and the that he sanctified we are all of the father. And because of that, he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother. And he's saying that in verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brothers. So now, Jesus is going to declare the father's name to his brothers. That is us. In the middle of the church, I will sing praises. In verse 13, And again, I will put my trust in him. That is the father. And again, behold, I and the children that God, has given unto me. So the only way you can qualify to call God Father is because you have expressed faith in Jesus Christ. And now just to chip this in, that is why what we call the Lord's Prayer, as recorded in Matthew 6 and Luke 6, I think I'm right, doesn't qualify to be an Old Testament prayer. Two, it is more than just a format of prayer because just the first two words in what we call the Lord's Prayer automatically makes this prayer a New Testament prayer. Because how does it start? our Father. Nobody in the Old Testament ever dared to call God Father. Nobody from Moses to Abraham to Isaac to Elijah, all these great men of God, none of them ever qualified to call God Father. Why? Because Jesus had not sanctified them. Jesus, who is the first or who was the only begotten, had not come to die to become the first begotten. You know, in John chapter 12, he says that when people came to look for Jesus, and Philip told him that oh, some men have come to look for you. Immediately he said something that, I come of wheat, unless it falls to the ground and die it abides alone. But when it falls to the ground and die, it bringeth but much more Fruit referring to himself that he, as long as he's alive, is the only begotten. But he who is the seed, who is the word of God, when he's dead, his burial and resurrection, he will bring forth much fruit, he will bring many sons into glory. So, the only way we ever qualify to call God Father is because of Jesus, is because we have expressed faith in what Jesus has done. Hallelujah! So, Moses at that time was not a child of God. Abraham was not a child of God. Elijah, Elisha. That is why Jesus Himself said that even the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. All the greatest in their era. My God. That means immediately become born again this very second by virtue of the fact that you have expressed faith in Jesus Christ. You are a son, and immediately accept Jesus today this very second. You are greater than Abraham. You are greater than Isaac. You are greater than Moses. You are greater than Elijah. You are greater than Elisha. You are greater than whoever you can think about the King David. because the least in the kingdom is greater than this. Or is greater than the greatest who was John the Baptist in their era. I pray that you would receive light. That you come to appreciate what it means to call God Father. So now... For the purpose of our discussion, just to know that, as I said, I'm believing God that one day we we'll do a whole series on what it means for God to be a father. But just for the purpose of our Bible, I want to give you three things of what it means for God to be your father. The first thing is that you have access to God, the gift of access. So we know in Hebrews chapter 4, the verse 16 is a popular scripture quote mostly in prayer. Let me just start from the verse 14 so we can get um, a bit more background. See, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed on to the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So now, because of our high priest, he is saying that let us therefore come boldly. Oh. To the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy in time of need. The first thing, or what the first thing I want you to know, regarding our study of what it means to call God Father, it means that you have unrestricted access to God. Mm-hmm. Now, if I want to get to the president of my country, I don't even think i will having the opportunity. But let's just see. I would have to write letters upon letters. I'll have to book appointment upon appointment. And I don't think it would ever happen. <laughs> I don't know how, but I need to go through due protocol before I can see my president's face. But I don't think that the son of the president needs to go through any protocol. In fact, he can walk into his bedroom and say, Daddy president, please, I'm hungry. Or the baby of the president, can indirectly let the president, imagine he soils himself. The president who is his father must come and clean him and buff him. That's what it means to call God father. It means you have unrestricted access to God. It means that you have the privilege of coming to God. Now, I always like to give this scenario. Just taking the president, for example. You know, if maybe I'm a doctor or a lawyer and I have issue about conditions of service, I cannot walk to the president. The only instance where the president will ever listen to me is if I go through my union. On my organization, so we'll be doctors of this country, then you write a letter that oh, our conditions of service, or teachers, or drivers, so the president of a nation doesn't listen to individuals, no, he listens to groups, he listens to unions, he listens to organizations, but what does it mean to have God as Father? It means you as a single individual, anytime, anywhere, any place. You can just open your mouth and say, Our Father, and immediately you utter these words. Immediately, you are catapulted before the throne of grace. So, even if God was in an executive meeting with the heavenly scientists and the 24 elders, immediately you lift up your voice and say, Our Father, immediately. God stops every meeting and gives an ear to you. He's always having an ear for you. Ah, I pray that you know what this means. So, it means that. So, imagine that. Let me use Bill Gates. Imagine that Bill Gates was my father, and he was omni present meaning is everywhere at the same time because our five is only open. so imagine for some strange reason as a son of gate my money gets finished i'm i'm going for a tour or i'm going for a vacation and my money gets finished all I have to do is to say, our father. Then immediately I say, our father. Then will get up here. Say, yes, my son. Say, daddy, I want to buy this car. My money is smaller. Immediately. he'll get to just give me the money. That's what it means to have God as your father. It means anytime, anywhere, any place, you can call upon him and he would answer you. This is the privilege of access, this is the gift of access, the gift of prayer, that we can access all. So sweetheart, why are you living a disadvantaged life? We are going for an interview, don't you know that God is your father, call upon him. You are in the exam room and you seem to have forgotten something, don't you know that God is your father, call upon him. You are in a fix and you need to take a quick decision and you don't know whether to turn to the left or the right. Call upon Him. You are about to engage into a transaction and you are not sure you have the gift of access. Call upon Him. So I have this mantra that tell God everything, all the time, always, because He is your Father. I wish I could talk about this the whole day. Now, the second thing, and that's what the son had. The younger son immediately he was in the um, he came to his cells. he just came back and in fact it was his father who was waiting for him. <laughs> but do you think if any of the servants wanted to meet the the man? On the father to have conditions of service. Do you think that you could just walk to him? You have to then try the master servant. please, I want to see the man. Then the woman and the doorkeeper, please, is the man available? Can I see him? Say no, I'm not in the mood. But the staff can just walk in. And in fact, the father is rather looking out for you. So God is eagerly waiting for you to mention His name. Mm, call upon Me, and I will answer you. Ah. And I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not, Call upon God, sweetheart, because he is your father. Let me go to the next point. The second thing of what it means to have this God as your father, as our father, it means that he is responsible for you. Mm. Do you know that God is responsible for you? Do you know that God is responsible for putting clothes on your back? Do you know that God is responsible for making sure that you do not go to bed on an empty stomach? Do you know that God is responsible for giving you the best in life? Do you know these things? You see, that's why many of us are living the lives we are living because we don't know that God is our Father. And those of us don't know He's our Father, we don't know His generosity towards us. So immediately the younger son stepped out of the house, he began to go hungry. But there would have been no instant that as long as he's in the father's house, he will ever get angry. And I always like to quote this scripture from Romans 8. It says that, For if God, if our father, did not withhold Jesus from us, do you think that he will withhold a car from you? Do you think that he will withhold a spouse from you? Do you think that he will withhold good health from you? Oh, God is responsible for you if he is your father. But the issue is that many of us, because we don't appreciate what it means to call God Father, we are dealing with Him as a stranger or we are dealing with Him as our landlord (laughs) that we are owing rent and we can't pay and we are hiding from Him. But if God is truly your Father, it means He is responsible for you because you represent Him. It's because you are an extension of Him wherever you find yourself. But it's so sad to see the way we worry in life. Nothing breaks the heart of God like anxiety. Hmm. That is why in Philippians, it tells us that do not be anxious for anything. Hmm. Do not be anxious for clothes. Do not be anxious for a good job. Do not be anxious for a good salary. Do not be anxious for good health. Do not be anxious for anything. Why? Because you have access to the Father through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your request known unto your Father. Make it known because now he's not just responsible, but he has given you an unrestricted access to him. And as long as you make it known unto him, as long as he did not withhold Jesus, he's not going to withhold any good thing from you. You have no idea. That's what the Bible said. Eyes have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men. What God has prepared for for those who love him. And it's a time that Peter came to me and said that, Master, we have left everything up to follow you. Are you sure that we have not done a course 90 adventure? And Jesus said that there is no single individual who has left property, family, houses, cars, etc. That would make a loss. In fact, you will get 100 times. And I like what he said. He didn't say you get 100 times in heaven. Because in heaven, we don't need cars. In heaven, unfortunately for you, we will not be married in heaven. Oh, sorry, I wish you could marry in heaven, but. <laughs> in heaven, there is no marriage. He said, you give your hand in this world, in this world, and that to come. Sweetheart, you have no idea the generosity of the father towards you. You have no idea the effect of God's love towards you. You all know about the recent um, royal wedding between Meghan and the prince, I think Harry. Meghan was just an actress, and she's a black woman. But because of the love that this prince had for her, in our local setting, you say her levels don't change. Her levels have changed. She's now royalty. What made her royalty? The love of a prince. So my question to you is that do you know the effect of God's love upon your life? Why then is your life full of complaints, murmuring, doubt, as though you are an orphan? Why do you live your life as though your father is handicapped? Why do you live your life as though your father is withholding something good from you? That you are telling him that, give me my share of my inheritance. The second thing of what it means to have God as father, it means that he is responsible for you. And the last one, as I said, for the purpose of this study, of what it means to have God as father, it means that he has given you purpose. And your purpose in life, is to contribute into the building of his house. The only thing is that because of our differences and the uniqueness of our maker, we all achieve this singular purpose in different ways. Our purpose is all the same. So you see in the parable, as Bennett said, one of the things that the father gave to the younger son was Sandals, talking about a sense of direction. And I like the way Jesus put it in Hebrews. He said that, For offerings and sacrifices thou has no desire, but a body thou has prepared for me. So lo, I come in the volume of the books it is written of me to do your will, O God. Sweetheart, I came to announce to you, But if God is your father, you have no other desire, you have no other will than to do his purposes for your life. So Jesus says in John that it's only what I see my father do, that which I also do. And if my father is working, I will also work. So sweetheart, are you looking for your purpose in life? Find out what God is doing in your area or what God is doing in your life and follow suit. What it means to have God as father, it means that it is his will that you fulfill. So Jesus, as I said, you know, a body thou has prepared for me. Sweetheart, wake up every day knowing that as long as God has qualified you for life, as long as God has given you a body, it is for you to do His will. And as I said, many of us will struggle with this because we think that we are the center of creation. Because we think that the story is about us. Sorry, sorry to burst your bubbles, but the story is not about you. The story is about God. And because He has prepared a body for you and written in a book concerning your life, your only purpose is to do the will of Him who has sent you. Be confident of the love of God towards your life. Be confident of the generosity of our Father towards you. Approach Him freely and let us strive To know what it means to call God Father. I will pause over here even as I invite my friends to come in and give their contribution. We'll start with Bene.
2: Okay, so (laughs) Saul has said a lot and I would like to share a few things. From the study I see two peculiar problems that Jesus highlights and both had to do with ignorance or wrong perceptions. So, the first one was the wrong perception of the father's heart towards the children. So, the scribes complained that Jesus was receiving sinners, and this complaint exposed their ignorance that they didn't know that the father actually loved the sinners and they were precious in the father's. And the younger son also didn't know the father loved him unconditionally, and so did the elder son. And it's not surprising that the second problem is um, the wrong perception of who we are as children of the father because the proof that we are sons and daughters is because we have a father so if someone is claiming to be a son then and the proof that that particular person is a son or a daughter is because the person has a father so if you do not know your father or if you do not have a father definitely you have a misplaced identity so we find our identity in our father who is God and in the first episode I mentioned that the most beautiful title God will ever give you is the title of a son and this privilege of being identified as a son or a daughter of God depicts an intimate and a lasting relationship so like the sons in the parable some of us have lived in the same house with our fathers but they were quite distant even though they lived in the same house with their parents so some of these parents were not able to lavish us with the unconditional love and embrace that we long to have. But you shouldn't really blame it on them because sometimes they themselves were not able to experience that. And the truth is that God offers us more than any earthly parents could ever offer us. God is amazingly awesome at pouring his wonderful love in our hearts and filling us to the overflow. He makes us feel cherished. He makes us feel admired, appreciated and wanted and loved. And we all, all of us have a desire and a longing for a father's love. And all of us would want our father to look us in the face. And say that I love you. You are precious in my sight. And I'm happy to be called your daddy. I'm proud of you. And that's what God tells us every day. In our childhood days, a lot of us longed for our fathers to applaud us whenever we had good results on our report card. And it's unfortunate that some people... We're not able to experience this particular love and embrace from the Father. And the lack of this fatherly love has made a lot of people cold hearted. Some people are rebellious. Others have low self image and low self esteem. And a lot also seek this particular love in the wrong places. But God is calling us, He longs to heal our broken hearts and he wants to fill us with his love like never before he says that i have loved you forever and will never stop loving you god says expects more and more love from him he says that no more pretense No more striving to please Him, for He delights in you. He wants to love you like His little child, and you are His little child. And He loves you more than you ever know. He says that though the mountains may shake into pieces and the hills may disappear, He says everything around you may be falling out of place, but He will never take His love from you. And though your parents may forget you, He says He will never forget you. He has written your name in the palm of His hands. He's always thinking about you and he loves you very much and so i would like us to sometimes spend some time thinking about god's love for us meditate on his love and i like to imagine a lot whenever i see images and pictures videos about a loving relationship between a father and a child sometimes i imagine it to be god the father and i and one day i tried it during um, a prayer meeting and because sometimes the reality shook me i became undone and like before i knew it, i was on the floor and I was sleeping, it became so real to me. So God loves you, God adores you, He gave you Jesus His best. And if He gave you Jesus, what will He withhold from you? Pray and seek to know more about God's love for you because an experience of His love will transform you. It will deliver you from fear, it will deliver you from insecurity, low self-image, service out of duty, and it will make you wholeheartedly serve God out of love you flee from sin sin will not become pleasurable to you anymore it will become rather painful and you have the boldness to talk to your loving father at any time about everything including your challenges and even the most trivial issues because you will know that he adores you and he loves you regardless so god loves you yeah this is what i want to say god loves you so so much and he never stops loving you amen
0: Amen and amen and amen. He will never stop loving us. Abna, kindly give us your final remarks on the parable of the loving Father.
3: Indeed, the Father is the center of our creation. And in all we do, we must acknowledge Him at the center of it all. And as some said, we have direct access to God. So we should call upon the Lord Jesus anytime and every time and let's tell him everything. If you're anxious, if you're sad, if you're worried, just talk to him because he's the best listener you can ever find. And he's a problem solver, the number one you could ever get. Like he's better than, he can solve problems faster and better than any man could. He's a good, good father. And he's not just my father or our father, just us. He's your father as well, your ever loving father. And as we've learned through this series, we've known that the Father's love is indeed unconditional and our works doesn't earn us God's love. The love man gives us can never be compared to God's love for us. God's love is incomparable and it's untamable. It's so deep. Sometimes it takes a lot of grace to be able to understand. Like sometimes it's unexplainable. In fact, it's unexplainable. Mm -hmm. And to those who haven't come to consciously experience this love, I'm saying consciously experience this love because even though some people don't even know the love of God, He still loves them. So for those who haven't consciously experienced this love, I want to tell you that God is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come back to Him and experience this love. His love is excess and it brings so much joy. It brings so much peace, more than you can ever imagine. And nothing can satisfy you more than the love of God. Amen.
0: Amen. Nothing satisfies more than the love of God. Sweetheart, stop trading God's love for the love of men. Stop trading God's love for the love of money. Stop trading God's love. Baba, kindly give us your remarks.
1: Okay. And please, I also want to say that like the Father in this problem, it's our Heavenly Father desire to embrace us as we are, no matter the state in which we find ourselves and then show us how much we are loved. And maybe some of us may be experiencing love from the wrong side, that is is But then it is God's desire to embrace us and then show us how he really loves us so it's up to us also to embrace god back and then feel his love we learn from the bible in Romans 8 35 down was that nothing can separate us from the love of god maybe you may find yourself in a situation whereby the love that man has for you might be drawn back but then with god he's not like that he's god no matter what he's called. So nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us. Perhaps we've done something, we've made a bad decision. We feel like we've frustrated the plans and then the decisions that the Lord has for us, we are wandering off, we are lost in wonderland. So we feel like we've disappointed God and then we can't run back to Him. But then He tells us that He has loved us with an unconditional love. So no matter what, we should just run to our Father to experience the height, the breadth, and then the depth of His love. Because He really loves us regardless. God loves us. It's not just a saying. It's time we come to experience the fact that, indeed, God loves us.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. What a reckless love the Father has shown upon us. So we take our final remarks from
4: Benji. Okay, thank you very much for this opportunity. I think a lot has been said from the beginning of our series from the first episode till now. The love of God as a topic or as a subject cannot be exhausted. And no matter the number of theologians we decide to discuss it and yeah it can't be exhausted because of the the depths the heights the length and how it is you can't explain it and there's so much to it um, i just want to touch on what the prophet jeremiah said in jeremiah chapter 31 what uh, said that for i have loved with an everlasting love with my loving kindness have i drawn you yeah so The love of God, I want to touch on how timeless it is. He said His love is everlasting, so it transcends even the borders of eternity. It even transcends the boundaries of time. Time cannot define the extent of the love that the Father has for us. I just want us to pray and ask God for a revelation of His love. God is not seeking to give us gifts, give and all those things are good the power, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. All of them are embedded in His love, and He gave Himself for us. That's the most important thing. So I just want to admonish us that we would ask God to grant us a revelation of His love. That is the center of everything, it's the bedrock of who God is. That is His love. It is unparalleled. It is uncompared. Like, it's so overwhelming. So I'm just entreating us that this should be, if not an utmost prayer, that God should reveal His love. He should show us the extent of His love for us. Because when we come to know the extent of the love that He has for us, as Sam rightly said, there are certain prayers that you're not going to pray. We serve an intelligent God and He knows you better than yourself. He knows the things that you need, even the things that you want. So it's not about the specificity of how you go about your prayer. If we have and we know who our Father is and the love that He has for us, there are a lot of things that we are just going to stop doing. Because when the son realized, who his father was the power he had and what even his servants were enjoying his house that triggered him to even go back that even if my father would take me as a servant i would agree to that fact just as even david said that it is better that i be a gatekeeper in the house of the lord than to be anywhere else in the world yeah so i'll just end by saying that indeed there are three things that abide faith hope and love, and the greatest of them all is not any love, but God's love. Amen. 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 God bless you all, and as
0: you would like to do, we want to take our prayer. Once again, we are reminding us that the Father is at the window, waiting for your return. Our prayer is more of an invitation. So I would like to give each and any person that is listening to us to express faith in Jesus. In other words, an opportunity to be qualified to call God Father. If you are listening to us this very day and you have not expressed faith in Jesus, you have not believed in your heart and you have not confessed with your mouth. And what you have believed and what you have confessed is not transcending in your everyday life. Once again, God has given us an opportunity that he's waiting for us to make that decision of returning back home. So I'd like to give each and everybody an opportunity, and I will plead that as many of you that want to come back home, to turn back even as we make this prayer unto God, kindly repeat after me in all sincerity and genuine in your hearts. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you that ever since Genesis, You have been on a mission to bring us back home. And today, I have decided to accept your call. This very moment, I declare you as the Lord of my life. I believe in you. I believe in your death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And I proclaim that Jesus be the Lord over my life. I proclaim that because of what Jesus has done, I accept it. I accept his substitutional work. And I declare that if I live, I live for you. And should I die, I die for you. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for not rejecting me. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. I wish I was in heaven by now to see the rejoicing and the party, the feast that the Father has chosen for you. How the and Gabriel and Michael and the rest are, are jumping and rejoicing and as our father is rejoicing, as our elder brother is rejoicing because our brother who was lost has now been found. Our brother who was dead has now come alive. And as a fellow brother, as a fellow sibling in the household of God, I want to especially welcome you to the household of the Father. Never step out of this house. God bless you so much thank you all for listening to this podcast we really appreciate your presence we really appreciate you telling friends We really appreciate you joining this household and god being so good we are going to start a new season come what will next week and i believe in god that we will continue to share his word to help you renew your mind and to help you have a daily work with our father god bless you all so much And as I said last week, by the grace of God, we are available on all of most podcast platforms. So you can just search on any podcast platform you are. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, iTunes, CastBox, Podbean, any of these podcasts. You can just search Renew Your Mind Podcast and I'm sure you'll find our episodes. So far, we have done. Who told you? We have done spiritual gifts. And this is our third season on the parable of the Loving Father. And we really appreciate you. Continue to invite your friends. Keep us in prayer. And we pray that we will catch you same time next week. Don't forget to give God your best. And make sure that you do not owe anybody money. You do not owe anybody a pair of trousers. Neither do you owe them food. But make sure that the only thing you owe anybody is love. God bless you, and see you next week. Bye-bye.